why I think the word passion or finding your passion is so overrated is because passion really is a destination. Mm -hmm. It's really a vision and that you're seeing yourself in that feels good. And so you codify it as this is my passion, Mm -hmm. right? But the reality is, is there is a very long journey between your passion or what you think your passion is going to be and where you are now. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle. Oh, I just love your smile and I'm Eddie. Oh, you're just so beautiful yourself. (laughs) How are you feeling today? Um, to be perfectly honest, I feel like shit. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm on my period, TMI. <laughs> and my what in the world is, is I was supposed to have a hysterectomy in December. They canceled it because of COVID. And I feel like my organs got wind of the fact that I was going to remove them. And now I feel like they're trying to kill me. So they're fighting back. They are. Well, at least they're telling you we don't want to be here anymore. Well, I don't something. want you to be here. So I'm I'm struggling a little bit today, but we have a great conversation in store for you guys. And it's just something that's been coming up a lot lately, like people complaining about having these jobs they're not passionate about right. and how do I find my passion, 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 passion. And so we're going to chat a little bit about uh, finding your passion and what kind of pressure that feels like and what it can do to you. So yeah. this is episode number 75. 75. Okay, so here's a quick thing. I have a what in the world. Okay. My what in the world is my lovely, wonderful bride. It's about me. Yes, it is. Um, has all of a sudden become enthralled and passionate about serial killers. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even say that wrong, right? Right. say serial. Serial mm-hmm. killers. Mm-hmm. And has wanted and to watch- And your stomach can't take it. Yeah, has wanted to watch documentaries. We have watched- uh, I want to know everything, everything about, about serial killers. killers. I want to know where- <laughs> Where they were, how they grew up. I want to know um, how they got put away. Did yeah. they get sentenced to death? Did they get the you know death penalty? Did they like? I just want to know all the things. And well, so as we were ta- every night, <laughs> I know where this is coming from. Every night for the past probably ten days, when we have our little wind down time, I'm like, okay, what serial killer are we going to learn about tonight? <laughs> yeah, and we've watched. I mean, some horrific things uh-huh. that have plagued my sleep. I've checked the doors constantly at night. It started with the Night Stalker, which personally uh, I was afraid of as a kid. Okay. And because I saw like the signs on, on like the telephone poles, like mm-hmm. wanted person, the Night Stalker. Right. Uh, and so it, it plagued me. And then when we watched the story, I, w- I remembered why I was so afraid. Because I'm it was pretty so sure random. my mom was like, just watch your back. 
<laughs> like I don't think she was. Well, like, he was hey. coming in at night, like, right, and so I, I remember being a little kid, like locking the windows and, like, mm-hmm. you know, just making sure, just because I had heard he, he, the night stalker. Think of the name, the night right. stalker. Scary. He comes into the night, and you know, and he would like hurt you and kill you while you were sleeping. Yeah, but, I do a lot. And of And I don't bad even like things. a rude awakening, uh, but at least, <laughs> let alone being killed and while I was right. sleeping. But what's interesting about serial killers is one, their eyes just terrorize me like mm-hmm. uh, there's something about a serial killer's eyes i just like okay i can't look this person but it's only eye. because you know what they've done uh, they i think have i can this spot them. deviant yeah look I, I mean walking around i see people and i go you have an eyes of a serial killer well i told you now i cannot interact with people without looking them straight in their <laughs> eye like i look through your eyes and i want to see your soul yeah. and i'm starting i don't want to put a hypothesis together of like who i think is <laughs> Yeah, I shouldn't be judging you based on that. And you shouldn't either. So stop that. No, I am. Okay. Because I think you need to be aware. But, you know, what's interesting about serial killers is that they there's usually some type of mental makeup or uh, psychology that, I mean, I guess they've analyzed for years now mm-hmm. and they understand the psyche of these things. But they don't kill out of like passion, so to speak, mm-hmm. which is very much related to what we're talking about today. They are methodical and like, you know, this is an obsession. They're right. they're, curi- they're, they're they're It's enjoyable. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. There's an appetite for flesh. And so mm-hmm. it's just like really demented and dark things. And my I think lovely that is a wife <laughs> wants to. So in your passion. So if you're looking for a passion, there is. Don't be a serial killer. <laughs> <And> there's that. <laughs> but, uh, but I have, yes, I've developed a passion for understanding the minds of serial killers. Yeah. And so since we're talking about like, the pressure of finding your passion. So that's my tell you why. Just what? so that way people understand and they don't think I'm demented. Oh, no, no. no. Well, I think it's better to leave it here so people think that you're oh. crazy. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, well, the crazy thing is, as I was telling more and more people about this, because mm-hmm. I, if I end up disappearing, I want people to know that it started when we watched, started watching serial killers. Wait, just that, for the record, do you think I'm going to turn into a serial uh, well, killer? Well, I've already searched, like, like what, what signs are more likely to be serial killers? Jim oh. and I came up uh, number one. No, I'm just joking. Wow. <laughs> This is bad. <laughs> no, but um, I was just telling people because I just want them to know that we're watching these things. And so mm-hmm. if my wife gets any ideas, I want everyone to know. That's why I brought wow, it to the podcast Wow, I thought you today. had my back. Okay. <laughs> no, just... <laughs> okay. Well, what should be more alarming is the fact that I have great empathy for them. Yeah. For most of them. Like, uh, what they've done is terrible, right? Right. But I, I, How they got there. From the beginning of, like, you see these heinous crimes. And, and anytime someone does something to children, I I feel as though they should just be wiped off of the planet. Right. Period. I have no sympathy, don't care anything about it. But when we started really watching it, I was like, how does somebody get so sick, right? And right. then I all I cared about was getting answers. I want to know why. What happened to them as a child? What were they exposed to? And in almost every single case, they had a terrible childhood. There was lots of trauma. There was abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse. And so then it just leads me to really pose the question of like, well, what came first? You know, the abuser now becomes the killer. Like, did they ever have a chance to be normal? And so it has led me down this spiral of the fact that parenting is the single most important thing in the world. Right. And I feel like before you get pregnant and start a family, there should be like a test that you take and you have to get a certification. I mean, you have to get a certification to drive and operate a vehicle, but I feel like you're going to bring another human into the world that I also have to like expose my humans around 
there should be some sort of group effort in yeah. deciding and determining whether you're going to be capable of raising a capable human that's not detrimental to society. So that's a whole yeah. nother thing. But well, I think I think that emotionally sick and mentally sick people, I think, create a better chance for creating mentally sick and emotionally sick people because right. of the fact that they project those things on those on those individuals, those yeah. children, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. And I think one of the things we talked about was I, I told you that it's crazy that. Every single human being on this planet is capable of being a serial killer, mm-hmm. but very few become one, right? right. So this is to say that there's a lot of hope for the world right. because of that. But we know human beings are capable of some really dark, dark and horrible things. But I'm watching just going to tell you I'm not one of them. No, I know. And my lovely wife is beautiful and she's got the no, biggest yeah, heart. No, you've definitely the, painted the, me at <laughs> probably not the best time for you to do that right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> But, you know, thinking about that, right? So we're talking about this discussion about the pressure of finding your passion. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I looked up was the definition of passion. Okay. Right. And so thinking about serial killers and also our topic. And one of the definitions that I thought was the most relevant to our conversation is, is it says a strong liking or desire for or a devotion to some activity, object or concept. Mm -hmm. And I think that. So when you think about a, li- a strong liking or desire, but more importantly, like, like to me is what's really impactful word is devotion. Mm-hmm. Like some of these killers were really devoted because they they did their homework. They did right. all this so stuff. So it is a passion. So, it, it, so okay. it is definitely, there's passion in it based on the definition. Okay. But what we're talking about, and just to, to make a hard transition. Okay, because I'm like, <laughs> can we leave the serial killers at this? To make this, a hard transition. Like, this is a stop. Is hard is, right turn ready? Go. Hard right turn uh, is you know how do you find that passion, mm-hmm. and what is passion from a standpoint of your career or maybe even entrepreneurship? So let's life? talk about the people that may be in search of trying to find and discover their passion. Yeah, because I think there's a couple of different people that are really going to benefit from this. Someone who maybe has been in a job or profession for a really long time that goes through the monotony of, you know, routine work. I go to, I wake up at the same time every day. I have a schedule, same days off, you know, maybe you do somewhat enjoy what you do. Maybe you went to school, let's say for nursing or to become a doctor and you were passionate for helping people when you were in school. Right. So now you're kind of sucked into the the normalcy of the day-to-day life. And I do believe that at some point people get stuck in that, right? When you do the same thing over and over, you start to feel like your passion has dissipated. And then you can start to feel kind of empty. You can start to question like, what am I really doing? Is this what God put me on the earth to do? And I'll just say to make all of you feel a little bit better, there's this really great book, Coherence by Mm -hmm. Alan Watkins. Watkins. Uh, that kind of helped change our life. And it's really, really kind of boring, to be honest with you. (laughs) But But, it's the boring stuff that- Right, but right in the middle, he kind of talks about the fact that every single person, when they get to like age 30 to 40, goes through what we call a midlife crisis. Right. But really, it's like a scientific type of thing where when you get in the monotony of doing things over and over, you start to question your purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's important to address that you may have a decent job, you may make decent money, and you're a parent, you love your kids, but you just feel like something's missing. Mm -hmm. I think we label that, I haven't found my passion yet. 
And I think it's important to just start there that we might be talking to you where you're feeling this lack of kind of connection or this like something starting to feel like something's missing, right? Yeah. And you could very easily, for lack of a better word, say, I-, I definitely haven't found my passion yet, or I would be happier. Yeah. And, you know, so the question is, is like, like, I think the word is used so loosely right. that we f- kind of forget what it really means from a standpoint of life, right? So we read the definition, but really it's about a certain level of energy mm-hmm. that and response that you're looking for. And I think that, and what I mean by response is like, when I do it, the, the external world gives me something back in return, mm-hmm. right? And it feels like a passionate thing. And well, I think that that is, is tough because most of the things that people do that are really successful are, are by themselves, mm-hmm. right? And so when you were talking about like, you know, you may be doing the same thing over and over again, and you may feel like it's just like the same old routine. Mm-hmm. Immediately, I thought about Kobe Bryant. I oh. thought about Michael Jordan. I thought mm-hmm. about a lot of these people that their greatness is because of the, the fact they've done something over and over and over and over again. Right. Okay. So don't give it away yet. Cause I first want to talk about like how you might even be asking yourself, you know, putting right. this pressure on yourself about like finding your passion. Yeah. Why is it so important? So you think of Kobe Bryant, I think, you know, to relate this to our audience, I think of my two dads, like mm-hmm. one of my dads has worked for the grocery industry for 40 years. He's good at what he does, but I'd say he probably would say, I'm not passionate at all about this, right? right? My other dad, he works for a large mattress company. He's the top salesperson in the company on any given month. I'd say he's really amazing at sales, but I would say that he probably would never say he's passionate about selling mattresses, right? right? And so, um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But if you're feeling like that, I've been doing the same thing over and over and I just want to know what my passion is, right? Yeah. You could also be maybe wrapping up school, high school, college, something, and you're just like, okay, I'm pursuing this education or I'm wrapping this up and I just don't know what to get into because I have no idea what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Or you get up, you're saying you're in school and you have this feeling that you're going to school for something you think you're going to be passionate about, mm-hmm. right? And so I think you have two kind of ways of thinking. One, you don't know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And two, people have maybe the, a false certainty or confidence in something thinking that it is going to be their passion, mm-hmm. right? I'm passionate about law. And I want to be a lawyer. Right. Right. And so they go to school for that. And then I think you've we've had. um, So this would be my third kind of person that we're talking today is our students. Right. right. A lot of our students, they follow me, find me because I owned a bakery for so long. So they are working with us to step into taking their passion to turn it into a profitable business. Right. Well, I have seen so many people in the baking industry or or the photography industry, any business that you're a creator. I've seen them pursue this so-called business only to find out that very quickly their passion runs out. You know, I got into owning a bakery because I was really passionate about making cakes. Well, guess what? When you own a business, you got to do a bunch of other shit (laughs) other than make cakes. So you can easily start to talk yourself out of being passionate about something. I'll take Samir as an example. One of our friends, she makes music, right? right? Well, yeah, you're a musician. That's great. But guess what? You could feel like one day you're questioning, even though she might be making amazing music, she could wake up tomorrow and be like, I'm just questioning whether this is actually my passion. Why? 
because maybe she released an album and it didn't do as well as she thought. Maybe she was really passionate about this particular art or this, you know, song she put out and it wasn't received well. So there is an element in that same respect is like you're a musician, but marketing is important. You're a musician, but storytelling is important. You're a musician, but exposure, right? Yeah. So those things could, I think, I think that's where the pressure comes from is Mm. like, I like something, but you start to question if this is something you should be pursuing because of the pressures that come along with it. Yeah. And I think the problem to me, why I think the word passion or finding your passion is so like overrated is because passion really is a, a destination. Mm-hmm. It's really a vision and that you're seeing yourself in that feels good. And so you codify it as this is my passion, mm-hmm. right? But the reality is, is there is a very long journey between your passion or what you think your passion is going to be and where you are now. Right. Right. And so like for people who want to be lawyers, like there's years and years of like internship, mm-hmm. there's years studying, and years studying, hard work, there's years and long years. Long hours. And then before you know it, you're a lawyer and it doesn't even feel like you're a lawyer because you're so tired. (laughs) Well, I think because you placed so much value on, I'm, it's my passion to become an attorney. right? Right. And I think that maybe the word swap is right now it's my goal. Right. So the goal that I'm in pursuit of that I'm excited about is I want to become an attorney. Right. Right. Now, when I get there, I don't know what that's going to feel like because I've never been there. I think that just changing that perspective might, like it's not a passion that you're pursuing. That's just a goal, right? right? You may be passionate about learning about the law. Well, I I would challenge you to see that maybe you're just a passionate learner. Mm -hmm. Maybe when something gets introduced to you that you don't know about very much, you're a passionate learner and you want to dive into it and it feels new and exciting. I'd say that that is a passion in itself, not necessarily a passion to become an attorney, but a passion to be a learner, to completely dive into something, right? Yeah. And so what do you say, because we have been... um, at different places, whether it be coffee shops, restaurants, mm-hmm. hotels, whatever it is. And we've seen people that have been outstanding at jobs that I would say that most people would say it's not their passion, right? right? Because I think that what people think is that whatever's my passion is going to be reflected in how well I'm able to do it, mm-hmm. right? And because I excel at this, the reason why I excel is because it's my passion, right? And so they kind of are synonymous with one another where achievement and passion are, are kind of like the same thing. But when you have people who are who doing kind of your like your waiters and things of that nature, mm-hmm. like what what is that thing? I, and I think Seth Golden calls it emotional labor. Mm-hmm. Like what is that thing that people have that make it look like, wow, is this your passion? Because you're really right. good at it. Um, it's called energy. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, without giving the entire podcast away, I think that that really sums up like what's behind the things that you're passionate about, right? Right. So I'll give you a quick example. I've never, ever wanted to or had the desire to play in the garden, dirt. Like I didn't want to green thumb. I come from a whole list of gardeners, my grandmothers, my mom, like everybody I know in my family that's a woman who's a homeowner loves gardening. They love flowers. They love planting vegetables. I don't give a shit about any of that. Like I've just (laughs) never, ever wanted to hang out in my backyard and play around in dirt. So COVID hit and this year, this past year was really weird. And 
I don't know. I just kind of fell in love with succulents. Mm -hmm. And then a friend introduced me to this nursery. And then we went and I thought they were beautiful. And then I learned about propagation, which basically is how to multiply your succulents. So it's just all this crazy, crazy, strange stuff. Yeah. And then before you know it, my whole backyard is full of succulents. And I was just finding so much joy in this, right? So for me, it was another reminder of you don't know what you're going to be joyful about until you pursue something new, right? right? But I didn't set out to, I want to be a passionate gardener. No, I just wound up finding something that brought me a lot of joy and fulfillment. And so I could easily turn that into a passion because of the energy and excitement that I put behind it. Yeah, and I love that. And so what I want to really do, if we can, is I want to solve for a couple of things. So I want to solve for... Like, how do you find the thing that you're that you're passionate about, or where it's gonna, where you're gonna mm-hmm. be able to bring that energy? I have an answer for that. And then I also want to solve for the fact that if you find something that you're passionate, how do you make money at it? Right. right? Because you got to sustain the passion mm-hmm. monetarily. Like, you can't just say, "Oh, I love to, you know, paint pictures, but I don't sell them." Then, but it's just like something I want to do, you know, every single day from twelve in the morning mm-hmm. to twelve p.m. I have an answer for that too. And so, um, so I want to solve for that, but I also want to solve for. Like, what is the answer? Because we know that there's a journey between where you are and what you think you're passionate about. Like, how do you endure that? Where's Where do you find the endurance to get through it? So that's kind of like three big okay. questions that I want, because I think that's important to people mm-hmm. who are listening to this that either feel like they're doing the job of their passion, but they're getting worn down, mm-hmm. uh, don't know what they're passionate about, mm-hmm. right? And then people who say, I want to do this, but how do I make money? Right. Okay. So let's start with you. Okay. Okay. So Me? yeah. <laughs> okay. So we just recently last night we were around a bunch of your coworkers socially distancing because right. um unfortunately they were coming together as a celebration of life for an employee right. that recently lost his life, right? Right. So anyways, you know, here I am the loving wife that's just there to support you and your, you know, meet your coworkers. Every single one of them had something nice to say about you. So I want to publicly recognize you (laughs) and everyone that said something nice. It wasn't a surprise to me because I know that you love what you do. I know that you're a good leader. I know you love pouring into people. I would say that that's something you're passionate about. Am Mm -hmm. I right? Yeah. Okay. So not to put you down. Right. But you work for an organization and your job is to lead a team. Right. Correct. Correct. Okay. My dad works for an organization, the grocery industry, and his job is to lead a team. Correct. But I think he hates his job. (laughs) And I don't know. I know that people like him, right? Right. But I don't know that he would ever say like, oh, this is my passion. I just love this. Right. So that's my question is you do the same things, right? Right. But yet our home and our bookshelf is full of leadership books and different ways to motivate and inspire and hypnotize and brainwash (laughs) and, you know, like get into the minds of people that you're trying to train and develop and pour into And so it's interesting to you to, it's something that you have developed a passion for to better understand how to impact the people that you serve. Am I right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Why doesn't my dad do that? You know why? Why? Because he doesn't put the same energy behind (laughs) what the job is. I think that's partly there, but I think that the energy comes second. Okay. What do you think comes first? I think he hasn't identified where he can make an impact and where he can change things. Because- Everyone, human beings are designed, we're designed to create, to build, to progress, to mm-hmm. keep growing. Mm-hmm. We decide 
that we're looking for comfort and stability, mm-hmm. right? Because whether it may be fear or or whatever the case may be for you individually. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what happens is, is that when people, they, they consume themselves with finding comfort and stability, they forget that they're trying to build and create and take risk. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where it is first. So I think he may be in a position right now where he's like, this is st- stable. This is certain. Mm-hmm. I have an idea when I'm going to retire. I've been doing this for 40 years. And, and this is what I'm just going to. I can do this I just need sleep. to endure. Right. Right. And I think that. But wouldn't you agree that just the sheer mindset, like just the mindset of I just need to endure. I can do this in my sleep. I already know how to do this versus, you know, you saying, what book can I get to really get through to this one employee right. who really you know, you've had employees that have applied for things many times and your job is to give them feedback on why they're not ready yet. Right. Right. So you can't tell them, Hey, sorry, bro, you didn't get the job. Expect them to still be a good employee without giving them something that's tangible for them to continue to work on. So that way they still feel energized to continue to grow. Right. Right. But I have looked at that. My, I say passion, Mm -hmm. right. For lack of a better word, for right now, um, is human potentiality. Okay. Like I am super, super obsessed with how do I help someone get the most out of themselves? And this is why I love serial killers (laughs) because I'm super obsessed about how your mind told you this was the best career path for you. Like I genuinely want to know like why your mind, what in your mind said, this is the best viable option for you to find fulfillment and passion. Right. It's the same yeah, thing. It, it sounds funny, but I think it's the same. It, right? it, it totally is. And so I think that for people that may be listening to this and saying, okay, wow, I'm in a job right now that I don't necessarily hate and love. Uh, I don't necessarily see an opportunity for me to grow. Mm-hmm. However, I don't necessarily have opportunities knocking down my door right mm-hmm. now. I think what you have to do, if, if we're answering the first question of like, how do you find it? Mm-hmm. I think you have to find a place in which you can say, like no matter what you're doing, is there something within the job that you're doing right now you think can bring the best out of you? I'd say, is there something in the job that you have right now that you haven't tapped into? Oh, so yeah. for example, I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher for 30 years. I love kids, but you know, I hate online learning. I hate distance learning. I hate the pivot that we've had to take. I guess the challenge that I have to you is how can you reignite that passion How can you connect with kids who probably need you now more than ever, right? Because there are individuals across the world that are showing up on the Ellen show that are being super creative and innovative. I know our friend, Linda Lemon, she's a teacher. She's been making like little baking kits and that's their science assignment. And they drive by her house and she puts them outside and 30 kids get these baking kits and they have like a Wednesday Zoom baking thing and they're learning about measuring cups and math and And I just look at that and I go, you're like God's gift to the world. I mean, it's just like, so what I'm trying to get you to see is like, no matter what you do, when I was a box girl, my very first job in the grocery industry, was I passionate about customer service? No, I like working with people, but, you know, I wasn't passionate about helping people, especially helping them bag their canned goods, right? right? I wasn't passionate about pushing carts or doing any of this shit that I had to do, So I had to channel something that led me to become my best. And that Mm. was competition. So I just wanted to be better than everybody else who was doing their job so I could stand out and so I could feel like I was contributing. Yeah. And so that brings me back to the 
Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant thing. Because uh-huh. what you did is 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 very much what we saw Michael Jordan do on that special. Mm-hmm. You, I think, when you do the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again, and you're trying to find a sense of mastery mm-hmm. in that role. So I, to me, it's like this, and, and I'll get to the, my main, when you're in a job. I think you have to select something. Either you're trying to grow in that position and maximize your potential in that organization. Mm-hmm. Or you're trying to find a sense of mastery. So maybe it's a position that's not a lot of like promotion uh, available to you, but you can get a sense of mastery by continuing to stretch yourself within that role. And I think the way you do that is that you have to have an inner game, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's what you did. You created competition. Mm-hmm. You created things that will energize you to give you some feeling of self-fulfillment and self-actualization. And I think that that, to me, is what's important. So like, I look at my my role and I say, wow, okay, I have this large group of people. How do I get them all going in the same direction? Mm-hmm. I have this one particular person. I see the, their blind spots. They don't see. Mm-hmm. How do I illuminate that right. for them? So I, I do these little challenges and these things that stretch my capabilities that give me a sense of, of challenge, of change, mm-hmm. of a variety that I think people are missing. So when we go back to your dad, I think that maybe he's looking at, hey, my job is to is to turn the key, open this door, make sure people stay safe, make sure the shelves are stocked, mm-hmm. and then turn the key and go home. Right. Like, I can't. I and don't my turn question, on. my challenge to you, if that has become you, you know, you're stuck in a job that you feel might be a dead end job that you don't find a lot of sense, a huge sense of purpose or enjoyment from. Is I would just ask you, are people doing that job better than you? Right. Because if they are, what would you lose by trying to become better at that? Right. Okay. So then that leads me to, well, you know, I'm a baker. I've owned a bakery for so long and, you know, I'm just kind of burnt out. This is not my passion anymore. I tell this story often to people who are trying to get into business. Listen, I started baking cakes because I had worked in a corporate position and I wasn't really able to be creative and utilize my talents in an artistic form. So when I started making cakes, I loved the artistry of it. That's it. Mm -hmm. That was what the passion and excitement was, right? So I said, oh, wow, can I get good at this? Let me pursue this. So then I became passionate about pursuing the art and trying to perfect my craft, right? Mm -hmm. So then fast forward, now I got to get passionate at finding customers to buy my shit, right? Right. So now I have to shift passions. I really enjoy what I'm doing, but in order for me to continue this enjoyment, I've got to find people to actually buy it so that way they can sustain my mission. Right. Because if I don't have any money coming in, then it becomes stressful. It's not really a passion. I don't get to exercise it. So I always tell people how I went from loving the art to I had to fall in love with the process of sales. Mm. And then I had to fall in love with the process of marketing. Like I got to find more people so that I can sell to them so that I can continue the mission of the art. And I hope you guys are catching this because what Janelle is doing right now is she's answering the question of how you take your passion and make money so that you can continue to do things that you love. But it doesn't require you to do things that you may not like or make you very uncomfortable. Right. So then I had to develop a passion for learning how to be a better marketer. Why? Because if I can't find the customers, I can't sell to them, I can't pursue the passion of making. Then once I you know, had made the money, had some time under my belt, I was like, okay, we're gonna go big, we're gonna open a bakery. Well, then I had to get really good at hiring and training and developing. So I had to develop a passion around leadership. Mm-hmm. I had to learn how to do all the things that you're doing with your team and, you know, inspire them to like 
move the ship in the same direction. I cannot do any of the things that I want to do from making the cakes to selling to marketing if I don't have help, right? So let me have you pause there. You said something. I don't want people to skip on that. You developed a passion around something. Energy. How did you do that? How did you do that? Like how did, because some people are like, I I don't know how to make myself passionate about leading people or make myself passionate about hiring. (laughs) You know how to make yourself passionate about anything. So like people talk oftentimes about, well, marriage is great, but the passion kind of dies. Is it true that if we wanted to get super passionate right now and have buck wild sex, we could, (laughs) right? Right. But that comes from what? The energy and the attention that we're giving it. Mm. So you could have a really fucked up marriage and it's lacking passion and you have no connection. Why? Because your ass isn't focusing on that. There's no energy going towards that. There's no yeah. intention around it, right? So let me, let me, and that's really good because what I'm thinking, based on what you just said, is that the, the whole idea of nature versus nurture. Okay. Like people think that you're naturally supposed to be excited about certain things. Mm-hmm. You're not naturally going to be excited about most things. Nope. You're going to have to nurture that to a place where you say, okay, I need to focus on this because I need to find a way to challenge myself so that the excitement comes. And that's why I was saying that the energy comes second. Mm-hmm. Like when you were talking about your dad, I think he needs to find something that he says, I want to solve this. Mm-hmm. I want to, because that's yeah. human nature. I, mm-hmm. I need to fix this. I need to solve it. I need to build it. I need to create it. Mm-hmm. And then the energy comes be- because of the fact that that's what you're designed to do. Right. Right. And so I just wanted to say that because I think that's important. So you said developing passion is you have to be intentional and you have to be intentional about the things you're trying to solve for. Right. And then once you get that, then I think the energy comes along with that. And before you know, you're passionate about something you never thought you'd be passionate before. Okay, so then here's the bonus, though. Once you realize that your energy is really what's dictating your passion, right, then you could replicate that in any area of your Mm. life. And and so I think back to the people that may be listening to this, trying to find their passion, Something happened that you've been mulling over that you feel like you're missing, you're not experiencing, whether it be more money, a better connection, uh, more recognition, more more something. You want more of something. So you start to, for lack of better words, because you can't really articulate, I'm like, I feel unfulfilled right now. You start to say, I think it's because I'm not passionate about what I'm doing. And then you blame it on your job. And then you blame it on the fact that God hasn't given you a sign to show you the one thing that you've been put on the earth for. And I'm just going to tell you, based on my experience, my 42 years on this earth, I think that passion's a myth. And Mm. I think that we spend so much time trying to chase these passions that are external when really it's because we have some sort of internal hole that we're trying to fill, some internal void that for lack of the words to express it properly, we say it's because I haven't found my passion. And then we at the same time, we think passion is going to get sprinkled on top of our head like out of nowhere. And then solves everything. <laughs> it solves everything. Yeah. And and it's not. It's right. not going to be there. It's not going to happen. And I think is exactly what Janelle said. I think it's an intentionality. But it's also, and you just said it, but I, you know, obviously I like to codify what you said mm-hmm. or codify. Well, can I finish the story? Yeah. So after I had a team, I had all these responsibilities, right? Throughout that, what was the why? The why back in 2009 of why I started making cakes was because I had a lot of time 
And I needed a creative outlet for stress reasons. Mm -hmm. Like we had just lost our jobs. We filed bankruptcy. Like I was just lost at that time, right? So I could have said, well, I haven't discovered my passion yet and this is bullshit and I hope God comes to me in a dream and when am I going to discover that, you know, seeing all these people win and here we were at the worst time of our lives, right? So I only started making cakes as a stress reliever, like only because I needed something to take my mind off of everything that was going on. So that why was solving. I just needed to keep my mind busy, right? Then as I progressed and, you know, uh, fast forward, we opened the bakery. Now I have all these employees. My why of why I was pursuing that became two things. One, I put myself out there and I wanted to be successful. I wanted to build something that I could say, I built this, I did this, I accomplished this, I achieved this. But as I started to get better at training and leadership and development, I had this huge sense of shift in my why became I have to be successful in business so I can help these people feed their families so I can continue to employ them. And that became a huge passion and a a real reason of the why the Cake Mamas continued was because I had a huge responsibility to make sure that they were able to have a job that they could come to that they loved, that they enjoyed, that they could be good at. That was a good place to work. Right. But also they could pay their bills. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to say is if you're searching for a passion, you're trying to start a business, your passions have to evolve. Your energy has to be matched to like new challenges at each stage. But the most important thing I'll say is the answer to this whole podcast, the answer to, I think, life is the journey. Yeah. Like understanding that entire story that I just told you was a journey. It was not something I set out and I knew all 15 steps. It was like, okay, take one step in the direction of something that's pulling you that kind of feels interesting that you think you could find joy in and then put your energy towards that, right? right. And then the next step finally comes. It it makes the, the step becomes available to you, right? You can see it. I'm talking about a staircase because I'm visual. (laughs) So I I took one step and I was like, I think we're going to be here for a while, but I'm going to be really energetic to be on this staircase, right? Then I see the next step illuminate. I'm like, ooh, let's go up there. How can I be equally as excited at that next level and just master that level, right? But the problem is is people see those steps as obstacles. They see them as barriers. They see them as things that are blocking them from getting to where they think they're passionate. This brings us right back. And and it dims the light. It doesn't. Right. Right. But it brings us right back to the point of why do you love your leadership job? And my dad hates his leadership job. It's the same job. You do the same thing. But it's conditioning. Like the biggest problem I see with people is they condition themselves to To be mediocre. No, to be (laughs) mediocre. Right. And and, and here's the thing. Many of you are listening to this have uttered these words. It's not my job. Right. I'm not paid to do that. Well, that if really it's not triggers your jo- Eddie and yeah, I. Oh my, if it's not your job, it'll never be your job. Right. And if you're not paid to do it, you'll never be paid to do it. Right. And I think that when people really take that in and understand that we are constantly conditioning ourselves in how we respond, responded. Like you said yourself, from working as a box girl mm-hmm. to running a, a business, you were conditioning yourself to find things that were going to give you the ability to bring the best out of yourselves by challenging yourself, coming up with ways to com- compete, and looking at the, the staircase and seeing that it's illuminating the next step in the process. Where I think most, a lot of people say, ah, I, I, they're waiting for the passion uh, fairy to come and sprinkle the passion dust on mm-hmm. their head. And so the, all of a sudden they get this spark 
that, oh my God, this is what life is all about. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is that life is about picking and making a decision to say, I'm going to go this way full blast. And then the options and the things that are going to come out of that are going to illuminate along, like you said, the journey. But I think that too often people have faith without, without work. And we know that faith without work is dead. Nothing comes from that. And so I just think that that is so important to, that we say this on here because I think you have conditioned yourself to see those steps as simply steps. And some people are conditioning themselves to see them as red lights or stoplights, right. right? And so I think that people have to change their mindset on that. And you said something like, hey, passion is a myth. We were just looking at a quick quote from uh, Cal Newport. And he said that a passionate mindset thinks that what can the world offer me? And I think that that is something, like I said on the last on the last podcast, you can't rely on the world to give you what you need to be motivated, mm -hmm. to be inspired. You just so can't. I, I want to hammer that home, though. You said a passionate mindset is basically you sitting back saying, so what's the world going to give me? That I love. Right. <laughs> I need this this passion because I'm unhappy and I'm unfulfilled right now. So who's got a passion for me? Now right. I'm on a mission. I've got this hole that I want to fill. What can the world give me? What's God going to give me? What talent do I have? Right. So it's, I think it's a selfish thing. It is. Yeah. In the way that Cal, what's Cal Newport, Newport in the way that he's possessed or he's positioning it. However, he has a follow up statement, right. which is he says that instead of having a passionate mindset, have a craftsmanship mindset. OK, explain. which breaks down. So the craftsmanship mindset, he breaks it down into he believes that people who do what they love consistently experience three things. Impact. They believe the quality of their work has a noticeable and positive impact on people uh, they care about teammates, customers. Like, I think that that's me. Like, I feel like I have a positive impact on the people I care about. Mm -hmm. uh, he believes that the second thing is creativity. You have an opportunity to improvise your work or implement ideas. And I would add to that and say, you have the ability to take risk mm -hmm. or you, you have the tolerance to take on risk, um, which I think is important. And then the third thing is control. You have some say of how or when you are able to work. And I think that that's where people get stuck because they don't have that third thing mm -hmm. <laughs> because, you know, they can't dictate all the time where they are in to work, especially if you're in a corporate environment. But how you approach the work, I think you have a little bit of uh, creativity there to make something, you know, to take some control to feel like it's yours. And I think the other way of saying that is that there's a sense of ownership. Right. Right. I own my ability to show up. You own your energy. You own your energy. Right. So I want to go back, though. You're, we're basically posing things to this book. Uh, so by the way, it's by Cal Newport. The book is not about finding your passion. It's called So Good They Can't Ignore You. So that kind of brings us <laughs> to the point of we're telling you it's going to come down to how bad you want to be happy. You right. know, do you read books that make you better than everyone else? Not better in a sense of superiority, but better qualified to lead a team, better qualified to have hard conversations, better qualified, better educated, better, better informed, right? right? Better passionate, more passionate, I'd say. Yeah. But, and we were joking last night and one of the girls said, uh, you no, know, Kayla says something about synthesize. Like, That's my favorite word. <laughs> and synthesize is when you take different ideas, you take different things and you're able to make it work into something that it maybe wasn't intended to work with. Mm -hmm. And you synthesize it in a way where, wow, it brings a different level of expression, innovation. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's what I love to do. I love to take history. I love to take philosophy. I love to take psychology. And I like to mash into leadership Mm -hmm. and our coaching and say, okay, how can we make this work? And that really gives me a level of excitement, even though some of the things that we do may be boring, like Mm -hmm. coming up with a lesson plan, coming up and building out a course is boring. But I think that one of the things that we share is that we have a high tolerance for boredom. Right. Because boredom is where you get shit done. Right. Can I just tell you guys, we're on episode number 75 of the Push Podcast, and this shit's not really fun. It's not fun (laughs) to sit here and rack our brains on titles that we think might impact you or what will they like? What will they will they be able to get stuff out of this? It's not really fun to sit here and come up with bullet points and conversations. However, it is extremely rewarding to know that some of the things that have become the greatest lessons of our lives we're able to put them out into the world. And when someone receives it and says that it has helped change them, that's like the greatest reward in the world. Oh, yeah. So that has become, 100%. you know, something that it's a really, really amazing push for us to say, do the real boring shit because you're helping people. And impact is a word that we're both very passionate about. I say it with air quotes, right? So I want to get back really quick because this book, so good. So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. I'm not telling you go read the whole book, but he's again giving you two things. He's saying, hey, you can claim this whole passion mindset, but I highly recommend that you claim the craftsman mindset versus just, you know, putting all your eggs in the in the passion basket, right? right? So I want to read this because this is important. He said, the passionate mindset thinks, what can the world offer me, Right. And he says, first, when you focus on what your work offers you, it makes you hyper aware of what you don't like about it, leading to chronic unhappiness. Mm. That's a big thing, right? So he said, this is especially true for entry level positions, which by definition are not going to be filled with challenging product or projects, right? So those things come later as you continue to progress in your career. So when you enter the working world with the passion mindset, the annoying tasks are assigned or the frustrations of corporate bureaucracy can become too much to handle. Mm. That's the formula for unhappiness. Yeah. And that goes to like my third question is is like, well, how do you endure that? How do you endure that to persevere, to get to the next place where you do take on the the talent, the challenging projects and the and the things that, you know, make you go, oh, my God, this is such an amazing mm-hmm. challenge. So so someone who lives in a passion mindset, who's searching for their passion, you're going to say things like this. Who am I? Why was I put on this earth? Do I even love what I'm doing? I feel like when you ask those questions, like you want to find unhappiness, <laughs> you know, yeah. like if you're a yeah. bo- let's say that you're a, a truck loader at Amazon. Right. And you go, God, does this really make me happy? Um, it can, right? It, it can, if you decided that you wanted to go to work and do the best that you can, because what you're doing has an impact on the people you work with. It has an impact on people like me who order shit from Amazon all the time. Right? right. So you, this is, I think the difference in someone who really finds enjoyment and joy in their life versus someone who's asking these really dumb questions. God, does this, this job at Amazon, does this even make me happy? Yeah. And I think you already I just, know the answer to that. I just that. think life is too short to look for the the shitty things. Like I think life is too short. I think life is one of those things for me that it's so short that I have to I find ways to enjoy the things that may not necessarily be, be the most fun. 
and exciting. And I think because we live in a, in a world where everything is about distraction, we have an intolerance for boredom, we're constantly looking for the next fix mentally. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't sit by ourselves for too long. I just think that we have to find ways to say, okay, uh, this thing, I, I'm, you know, I'm just sitting in this this boring ass room. I'm going to just think about the amazing things that I've done in my life. I'm going to have good self-reflection. Like I think making the best of those, of those things to me are so important, but I really wanted to ask that question. Like, so I love what Cal Newport says, but I think that people are, well, they're saying, okay, I'm at that point right now. Mm -hmm. I don't have challenges. Okay. So how, how do I stick to it? You don't have challenges. So here's what I would ask. There's a couple of things. Number one, you have a job. Generally speaking, people work eight hours a day. What do you do when you're on your way to that job? Are you listening to an audiobook? Mm -hmm. Are you trying to figure out a way to inspire yourself and create good energy before you go into this job? Or are you just throwing on the radio because you say the radio, oh, I like music. That's great. I like a lot of things that don't really make me smarter. They don't really make me better. So I would say one of the things that became a pivotal turning point for us is we started consuming information that were new ideas that inspired us to get excited, right? right. So when we started learning what TED Talks were or who Earl Nightingale was, we were like, oh my God, honey, I listened to this thing. You got to listen to it. It's amazing. And it right. was just new ideas that had never been given to us, right? right. And- so that's step number one is like when you feel this sense of void, this unfulfillment, and you start questioning your passion, I would just say like curiosity has to just completely grab you. Mm -hmm. You've got to start to be curious of what's out there, curious of how you can make a, a bigger impact, curiosity around what you can learn, curiosity about how you can be better. I'll just tell you one thing. People should be more curious in how to be more energetic. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you, I work on that because- I work from home most often. I work by myself. I don't need to be hyped up for myself. So I sometimes walk around and I have low energy. But if I really like paid attention to you, like the energy that I'm responsible for creating before I go out into the world, I could easily snap myself into like a happier, more excited person, right? right? Like, you know, I didn't have much to say before we started the podcast. Now I know that I have to bring better energy because I'm trying to convey some excitement around this topic we're talking about. So I just yeah. think being responsible for your energy is the first place to start and then put that energy towards learning and being curious about anything because you're probably only working eight hours a day. You're probably yeah. like stuck with eight hours of free time or commute time or whatever and then you probably sleep for eight hours a day. Yeah. What do you do with that time? Absolutely. And, and the thing I would say too, and I want to make sure we, we, we slow down for this, is I think that you have to stop and say, okay, I'm going to put my frustrations away from my current place that I'm working or the current job I'm looking at. Because frustration will rob you of the opportunity to have really great awareness. What's well, like and a I guaranteed think, think, dead end to unhappiness? Frustration. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and, and so what I would say is stop and say, okay, look at my job now. Where is the impact? Mm -hmm. Why does my job matter? And, and when you look at like an Amazon driver or if you were, if you are managing a grocery store, mm -hmm. like I can look at how that shit matters, right? right? A grocery store is a necessity. Mm -hmm. People rely on them to have certain things to feed their family. You have an opportunity to make sure that it, that experience, one, they can find what they're looking for. That uh, two, it's a place where people can say, okay, it's not so bad to come to the grocery mm -hmm. store. They create a great environment. The employees are really nice here. 
Uh, usually you see the same customers. It's not like grocery stores see I love know, random people from a grocery store. Put your right? energy towards relationships. Put then. your energy towards mm-hmm. those relationships. And then I think what you'll find is you'll find some enjoyment and fulfillment of what you what you mean and the impact that you're having. Um, and I think that you can do that by some of the things we listed about, you know, you could be creative, you can, you know, own the experience mm-hmm. for your customers or your employees or whatever Try it is. Try to be competitive. Like- if, if Amazon, I mean, if it wasn't for Amazon, we wouldn't be having these microphones. Like, mm-hmm. we, like it's just right. like, the, like those things. And I think it's hard for people because they don't see the end result when you're delivering packages. Yeah. But I think I'm watching some of these videos and, and like people are putting stuff out for these Amazon drivers mm-hmm. and they're just loving it because. That would make my day. Yeah. I'd because probably start crying if yeah, I was an Amazon driver. Because you finally driver. get to see what you're doing means the impact. Right. But I think you have to play those games with yourself and say, hey, I got to get these packages to these people because I know that this is helping them live their life. This is All helping right. them make an income, whatever it may be. And I'll just say like my other dad, you know, who sells mattresses for a living, he's an amazing salesperson, right? And he could sell anything. So he starts selling mattresses and he had got the job offer when he was staying with us a while ago. And I was like, God, dad, like how much is a mattress? You know, cause you work off a commission, this and that. So we start playing with the money. Remember quickly, like within 10 minutes, I pull out my calculator and I'm like, okay, well, if your most expensive mattress is $10,000, What's the warranty on that? People spend eight hours a night. How many minutes is that in bed every single night? And then I quickly was like, you know, that should be the most expensive thing that you invest in next to your food, right? Because right. good sleep gives you a healthy mind. It gives you a healthy body. So people are spending 50, 30 to $50,000 on a car, but they're only commuting like 30 minutes a day. Right. Why wouldn't you spend $30,000 on a mattress that's going to last you 20 years, that's going to give you the best sleep and health of your life? And he goes, honey, fuck, could you video that? Could, <laughs> could you put that on a YouTube video? I go, I mean, basically, you're asking for pennies for a $10,000 mattress. Right. So I guess the point that I want to make to you is I feel like passion is used loosely. And I feel like, and I explain this to Jordan all the time. You and I, like she has this creative mind like me to where you could be passionate about anything. You could be good at anything. I genuinely think that you and I could be good at anything. Right. Because we would show up with the necessary energy that's required and it was so funny is and when i'm you just, super competitive so i could t- probably be better than you if i <laughs> well when you told when you told him that immediately i was like if i was in the mattress business oh, i'd I be a, a million ideas enthusiast yes. like you would see i would like try to write people write books about sleep. absolutely people like like the sleep industry i was like oh my god you know when we bought our mattress from sleep number i was like i'm surprised so they don't sell like like, you know, vitamins and yeah. things that help you get more better sleep, Make it a health you know, store. different types of pl- yep. things that help you block out light, like right. everything because sleep is so important. Yep. But that's because we're looking for the edge. Yep. Right. And so my last thing before we close this out is that no matter what you're doing, you got to look for that edge. Mm-hmm. You got to look for the thing that's going to really light you up and challenge you to be the very best at whatever you're doing, because I think that's going to condition you to to whatever it is that you feel, quote unquote, is your passion. You're going to be ready for it because the reality is, is people are so used to being mediocre that they're not even ready for the passion when it hits them, when they arrive there or they won't even notice it Mm -hmm. because they're so trapped in the mindset of this is not it. This is not it. This is not it. And so I think that they've got to find out how to 
get by that edge. And the last thing I'll leave you to kind of try on, because you might be like, oh, I hate this job and they just want me to be more energetic and find some passion and get a book on it. You could be doing that. But here's the question I want to pose. Are you that resistant to being excited about other things in your life as well? Because if we're telling you the way, the key to fulfillment, the key to happiness in any job that you have, the key to living a passionate life is around the energy that you create and the framework around your mind that you're putting into all of the stuff that you're you're trying to you know find happiness in. If we're telling you that how you do one thing is how you do everything, I guarantee that your lack of energy, lack of enthusiasm is bleeding into other areas of your life. Oh, absolutely. So if you don't know how to channel energy and new excitement towards your job, you're probably living that in other areas of your life, maybe in your relationship, maybe in your finances. You might be someone, if you're really comfortable and kind of stuck in monotony at work, you're probably coming home, spending lots of time on the couch, doing really comfortable things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what I hope you get out of this is I want you to stop saying things like, oh, it's just because I haven't found my passion because you're looking for something outside of you and Mm. it starts with you. It starts from the inside of you, not the outside. It's an inside game, not outside game. This message is sponsored by Janelle Copeland, brought to you and approved by Janelle Copeland and Eddie (laughs) Copeland. (laughs) Hey, thank you for listening to Push Podcast, Push Through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time, push through.